Hello there. You're listening to Sasitap podcast by Sashwat and Oscar, where you speak with startup founders, venture capitalists, and some of the leading talents in the world. We listen to their personal journeys and share their stories that shape their worldview. In this episode, we will talk about the why and how of virtual events. And we have a fantastic guest today, Alexandra Panyukina. Alexandra is event marketing expert, former head of event marketing at SEMrush and Userlane. And she also joined Sustock in 2020 and is now city leader for Prague. So first of all, Alexandra, great to have you here today. How are you? Hi, everything is great. Thanks for having me. So I just mentioned you are event marketing expert. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey and your story so far? Of course. So my journey in event marketing, in particular in B2B event marketing, started almost seven years ago uh, when uh, I was really, really determined to get a role in events uh, and I joined Veeam Software. Uh, I initially actually started in a sales department because I just wanted to get my foot in the door at the company. But just three months later, I moved uh, to the marketing team as soon as there was an opening for events position. Uh, it was a great journey, great start and lots of learnings there. And uh, just uh, a couple of years later, I moved to Samrush uh, and uh, over three years, I uh, moved from uh, event marketing manager for Germany to being a head of event marketing for all of our global events uh, and running uh, more than 40 events a year in 20 plus countries uh, with the team of five. And back in 2020, I uh, decided to look for new adventures, uh, joined Userlane in the middle of pandemics, and uh, that was uh, also a pretty interesting experience of uh, setting up event strategy from scratch, but already in the new reality when nothing from uh, the things I did before in terms of roadshows and conferences and exhibitions were possible and we had to navigate this virtual reality together. You mentioned a great point here in this new reality. Everything changed in these new times, right, to, to virtual events, basically. How do you market events in general? And what are the biggest differences you see between virtual and offline event marketing? Many things have changed, that's for sure. Uh, some things have stayed, like the uh, the desire of people to connect with each other, to to talk, to also speak up and share own experience and get some learning. So that is uh, why events pivoted to virtual and did not disappear just completely because there is always the need for these shared experiences. And when we think about the marketing, first, I think I will cover what, what did not change, what were key things before and what are key things right now. Um, so when you think about uh, marketing, it's not just about, you know, setting up the event, thinking about, okay, what we're going to talk about and who we're going to target, but also how you're going to reach out to these people. How are you going to get uh, people to attend and to register? Unlike with some other marketing campaigns, I see that for events, the key channels to drive attendance are your own email database and also organic social. Don't overestimate the um, value of ads uh, and like maybe display ads or paid social. You definitely can drive some traffic. You definitely can drive some registrations. But based on my own experience and on learnings uh, from uh, other 
marketing and event marketing professionals, uh, usually the registrations are of lower level and the conversion rates are lower. So whenever you're running your own events, think if you already own the audience, maybe on social media platform, maybe you have a huge following, maybe not as a company, but some specific employees do you have the following. And uh, that's the kind of highlights the importance of building this personal brands and encouraging your employees to be the ambassadors of your brand out there. And also if you own your database, uh, if you have this healthy email list, maybe not, not just of your customers, but of your subscribers to your blog, to your newsletter. So that's something that is important um, to get the foundation for events attendance, especially if you are hoping for higher numbers. And if we think about the differences between virtual and in-person, for sure the um, promotion cycle has shortened. If we think about offline events, like for the larger conferences like Inbound or Dreamforce, the tickets would be on sale one year in advance, nine months in advance. And that would be kind of the time when you want to start getting the word about your event out there if it's a larger scale conference. And the minimum would be like three months because people need to plan their travel, they need to plan their work around your events. But with virtual, what we see is usually the announcement even of larger conferences happens around three months in advance. Of course, uh, last year was kind of an experiment for everybody. And due to the pivots, there was hardly more time to announce it in advance. But still, people become more flexible and they don't have to plan their journey. They don't have to plan their business trip or holiday to also get to your events. They just do it from home. And it's hard for them to say if in three months time, they will have the availability on this particular day. So right now, based on what I see in the event promotion, you should give like the minimum of three, four weeks for the promotion. And majority of people start, like if you plan a larger summit or a conference around you know, eight weeks in advance, but also the registration curve has changed. If you think about offline events, you would have the spike in registration upon the announcement and usually you would have some early bird tickets or free tickets. And then around three weeks before the event, there would be another spike and then the rest of the registrations would be in between that period. And with uh, virtual events, there is also a spike as soon as you start the promotion, just because that's when you probably push to your database, when you push strongly on social. But then we see this majority of the registrations, sometimes almost up to 50, 60% of registrations coming in the last week leading to the event. And that's uh, that's a very stressful thing for event organizer because you know you set up an event, you do have some registrations coming in, but you're kind of not hitting your target, and that is the shift of mindset that you have to accept with virtual. That registrations will be coming later on, and it doesn't mean that you have to stop your promotional efforts. No, on the contrary, you have to build up kind of the momentum leading to that. And also it's important, uh, for example, with virtual events, I think it's like a small tip uh, when you're marketing it, add the like add to calendar button or some, some sort of a reminder that people don't have necessarily to register right now, but they can 
you know, put it out there for them to have a reminder. And once they have the schedule for the next week and they see that there is your event coming up, they're like, okay, I will register. On the contrary, like if you don't have it and and it's free attendance, people will register, maybe add it to their calendar, but the drop-off rate, like a no-show rate will be higher because many people register, but then they just can't attend. So these are some of the differences to keep in mind, unlike with in-person, right, when you buy tickets and uh, if you bought it three months ago, you bought air flights and booked a hotel, most likely you're going to show up to that event. Those were nuggets of valuable information. So my question is, how do you stand out from the crowd when there are so many online events? Last year, we just saw a zillion events virtually planted in every corner of the globe. So how do you differentiate yourself from the crowd? Yeah, it's so, so true. Event space was oversaturated when uh, we were meeting in person. And when we moved to virtual, it just happened overnight uh, that this virtual space was already oversaturated with events. And everybody also moved from doing webinars to running virtual events, virtual summits. It was kind of a trend. If you haven't done a virtual event uh, in 2020, you were as if missing out on something. And it definitely led to people just being overwhelmed with the amount of invites with the mind of promotion that was targeted at them with the invitation to yet another virtual event. So if you want to stand out, if you want to get your people in, I think it's important, first of all, to to know who you are creating it for. If you're creating an event for everybody, you're most likely not going to get anybody just because you need to be targeted. Right now, there are so many of them that it has to have real, real value for the people that you want to attend for them to make time and make this commitment uh, and dedicate, I don't know, two hours of your time uh, for you. Uh, how to stand out here? One thing is the format. So try to innovate and not being afraid to come up with something more creative than just um, having three, four speakers delivering presentations one after another, maybe having a Q&A at the end. You have to I know, involve the audience. You should uh, think of the way that they will be actually contributing to the events or connecting with each other. The other way, if you want to have a speaker that delivers the presentation, this has to be a super, super cool speaker, like the speaker that literally everyone would want to listen to, that nobody wants to miss out on presenting. Like what Gong, for example, did at their Celebrate event. They invited Chris Voss, the author of uh, Never Split the Difference, for the um, keynote. Everybody went there, even if you're not the Gong user or you're not likely to be, it's Chris Voss. Like you're not going to miss out on the keynote for free from Chris Voss. So that's something also to do. And it comes to the... um, to the matter that virtual events are not for free. Uh, they are not for free for the organizers. You might want to make it free for your attendees if the way you're driving revenue from events is not ticket sales, but you still have to invest. You have to invest into good quality production. Even if everybody's tuning in from home, 
the quality of your video, of the light, of uh, how the speakers uh, look, like how their background looks, that that affects the performance. Like I don't want to listen and watch an event that is low quality production where I can clearly see nobody really cared about uh, making it look good. Invest into it. Invite the really great speaker, even if it's a paid speaker. Invest into this to stand out. And uh, the third thing that I kind of would highlight here, if you want to stand out in all of this pool of virtual events, it's just like with standing out with your brand. It's about your messaging. It's about your copy. It's about what you promise to people. Like, don't promise to connect, to reinvent to provide meaningful networking opportunities or the insights. It's literally the description of 97% probably of virtual events. So you will always uh, see these words in the copy, in the description, and it's, ju it's just noise already. So you really need to, to be bold here and think about it as if positioning your brand and think really creatively about it to catch people's attention uh, with uh, the way you describe what's going to happen. So you mentioned a great point. You mentioned maybe you have to make the event for free for the attendees, even if you don't make revenue in the first place. You know, for startups and SaaS companies, it's all about the metrics, right? It's all about the return on investment. So what I would like to know, what are the metrics you are looking for in virtual events? How do you define success? Yeah, with this point, I think there are two kind of two buckets that we need to look at. One refers to the event in particular, like you want to understand if if the event was a success in terms of the attendee experience. So you want to look at how many live attendees versus the registrations you had. So you want to be you know, higher than 50% uh, uh, at this uh, point. Then you want to look at the view time. So you want to make sure that people did not just tune in and dropped off immediately. Like you want to be around you know, 70% view time in general. You want to see engagement rate, especially if you've implemented some of the engagement tactics. You want to make sure that people were actually into it and connecting with each other and kind of engaging with speakers and with the content. You want to look also at like feedback scores and rating and PS just to make sure what the attendee perception of the event was. But all these metrics, they do not necessarily define that your event was a success from the business standpoint of view. So It's an event can be like with super high NPS score and every attendee said it was amazing and they all watched it you know, from the beginning till the end. But then, especially if you're a SaaS company, like nobody bought your product, like there were no conversions, there was no spike in traffic to your website. So was the event a success? depends on the goals that you've set. Maybe that was an event that you just wanted to make a gesture of appreciation to your customers. So you did not necessarily plan to upsell them. If you did not, let's talk about why you did not plan that. Maybe that was uh, a mistake and maybe that's uh, something you need to look into and do the ways how you can convert uh, and upsell your customers uh, using the events. If this was top of the funnel and those people were attracted to this great speaker that you invited, but there was no spike in the traffic to your website. So it means that nobody actually checked you out. Like you had, let's say 1000 people 
listening to Chris um, Voss or uh, Ariana Huffington, and then no, nothing, no, no changes in traffic. So maybe you didn't do a good job and. Uh, leading people to your website into creating some hook into your events so that they would go to your website to check out and see how you can actually you know, so solve your problem. So these are the things that you want to look at. Like you want to set the goals for the event, not just from the event perspective, from the make an attendee happy, but you want to make set the goals from the business perspective. Like, okay, this is the event that uh, we're targeting our customers uh, that have the upsell opportunity and we want to lead them to this particular feature. So you would design your event and the content in there and the whole structure of it in such a way that kind of guides people towards the need of these features. And then somewhere at the end or in your follow-up process, uh, you will hook them up with some offer or maybe with an extra content that will lead them to, to discovering what you're offering. Or maybe like event is a great way to launch something. And here there, I always um, kind of take some uh, tips from product marketing and uh, product launches because there's so many similarities with events and how you can combine both and how you can learn from it. And also one event is, is great, but uh, if you're running events as, uh, let's say, a B2B company, you want to look at events as a marketing channel. You want to see how that drives revenue overall, how that assists uh, your sales team to hit their goals. So you want to look at it uh, from the uh, metrics that you would normally look in marketing. And that's what I see missing really, really often at the companies. Like they do not look at events from the, as if another marketing channel. So if you are measuring the success of all of your activities based on the new MRR that is coming in. So you need to also look at events from this perspective. It's uh, It doesn't make sense if all of the other activities are measured upon the new MRR or on the pipeline generated, and then on the leads, you're measuring how many leads you got. So these are, you can't compare apples to oranges. So you need to align on this and make sure that uh, you're measuring the same way. Therefore, I would say the metrics that you apply for your marketing activities, they apply to events the same way. And you just want to make sure to set up properly the analytics uh, for that. So does it kind of answer the question? It's it's a huge topic, so it's hard to, you know, really, really narrow down in a five-minute uh, answer. But uh, these are kind of the directions to take. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. I think that's just as you mentioned, a huge topic. And that's one of the the biggest difficulties. I also see startups and SaaS companies, they have these online events right now, and they just don't know how to measure success. But you definitely had some great tips in there. Thank you very much. Alexander, so you mentioned about Krishna Voss, right? So he had come to the Gong event uh, last October. And of course, he's the best selling author of Never Split the Difference. I'm pretty sure you you are a good big fan of Chris and you would be reading a lot of business books yourself as well. Do you have any recommendation for our listeners or is there a favorite business book of yours that you really would love to refer to your friends? Yeah, that's true that there are so many 
good books that, that are helpful at a different stage in your career or in your you know, professional interests. So obviously Never Split the Difference is uh, one of them. I think like it's a, it's uh, the one that um, I've read twice already and you know, I keep coming back to some of the advice there. I think for marketers in particular, the story brand is great. And also if you're in events, for example, I think it's a great book because you can apply the same tactics uh, to positioning your events. That's what we've been talking a while ago, that it's important to stand out. You have to be different and you have to tell a story. So that applies to events as well. And also like from the business perspective and overall in, in SaaS kind of startup space, I really love the Lost and Founder by Rent Fishkin. I think it was a very, very honest and very uh, kind of vulnerable story without this uh, showing only the success side of things, but also showing the ugly side of things that uh, I think a lot of people can learn from. So I would name these two. Excellent. So Alexander, thank you so much for your time. Really love talking to you and maybe some closing remarks from your end as to what are the pro tips for 2021 if you want to make your event more engaging and awesome. There are so many, but I think that the key here, it um, rather these foundational principles than any specific tactics. So I would say the main thing to do with events in 2021 is focusing more on your attendees and thinking about them as your even main speaker at the event. So trying to change the balance from speaking at the attendees for 80-90% of the time, but actually leveraging to around 50-50% of the conversation that you're talking actually with your attendees and they are talking to each other. Because that will in some way solve the question, okay, how to make our events more engaging. Engaging event means that people are actually talking to each other. They are talking with speakers and uh, sharing something. And it can be as simple as Zoom and breakout rooms. You may not necessarily need the fancy technology to make a great event. It's more about the programming. So it's about maybe kind of buzzwording here, but putting people first over the technology. So especially, you know, when you're in SaaS, it's all about tech. It's all about great tools. So sometimes we get lost into choosing the right technology, whereas the um, answer lies into actually listening more to what people want to hear and what, what people want to do and what people want to see from your event. Thanks, Alexander. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me.